0: Our scripture from today does come from Psalm 27. Hear are these words. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Should I fear anyone? The Lord is a fortress protecting my life. Should I be frightened of anything? When evildoers come at me, trying to eat me up, it's they, my foes and my enemies, who stumble and fall. If an army camps against me, my heart won't be afraid. If war comes up against me, I will continue to trust in this. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's all I seek, to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life, seeing the Lord's beauty and constantly adoring his temple. Because he will shelter me in his own dwelling during troubling times, he will hide me in a secret place in his own tent. He will set me up high, safe on a rock. Now my head is higher than the enemies surrounding me, and I will offer sacrifices In God's tent, sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and praise the Lord. Lord, listen to my voice when I cry out. Have mercy on me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Lord, I do seek your face. Please don't hide it from me. Don't push your servant aside angrily. You have been my help. God who saves me, don't neglect me. Don't leave me alone. Even if my father and mother left me all alone, the Lord would take me in. Lord, teach me your way because of my opponents. Lead me on a good path. Don't give me over to the desires of my enemies because false witnesses and violent accusers have taken their stand against me, but I have sure faith that I will experience the Lord's goodness in the land of the living hope in the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart heart take courage. Hope in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Not everybody enjoys camping. I have to admit that. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I have to admit that some people are different than I and have different things than they enjoy. I don't expect everybody to enjoy the things that I enjoy. However, some people have better reasons for not liking camping than others. My father-in-law, for example. He, uh, Yanni, Yanni Adani was, was born and raised in communist Romania. And so when he was in his 20s, he had to serve in the Romanian army under Ceausescu, which meant, and according to him, like walking in the mountains a lot, carrying empty cots um, back and forth and practicing for, um, for carrying bodies at some point. But he had to camp a lot. And so every time he thinks about camping, it reminds him of the Romanian army. So... It's okay. I'm, not, I'm never going to ask my father-in-law to go camping with me. <laughs> I don't want to put him through that. But people who like camping also like it for different reasons. Some people like it just to be outside. Some people like it because they can go to different places they couldn't go to before. They, some people like to camp next to their car. Some people like their RVs and, and staying in the RV parks. Some people are a part of like RV groups that go around the country. There's, there's a lot of different reasons to do it. My favorite kind of camping is, is backpacking, where I, we put everything on our backs and go to places you couldn't go if you were trying to drive. I really, really enjoy that. I've had times backpacking in the mountains of Colorado where it, it snowed during the night, and the only, um, and you could hear the, the snow crackle in the morning, and there were no footprints anywhere except the birds dancing, and there were no noises except the wind and the birds singing and the mountain streams trickling through the ice and getting up and making coffee from a frozen mountain stream. It was, it was amazing. Did I sleep great? No. <laughs> I've, I've never slept great um, camping. I've never, never had, that, had that experience. It'd be an odd experience to wake up camping and be like, oh, what a great night's sleep. Um <laughs> But, but I don't go camping for the comfort. I don't do it for the sleep. I don't do it to catch up on my sleep. Camping, though, is, is very different from survival. There are some skills you can gain camping that are helpful in survival situations, but they are not the same thing. Survival is about how to live when everything has gone wrong. What should you do if you're trapped on a desert island? <laughs> what should you do if you're, you're, you're playing crashes in the Alaskan wilderness? Or, or you get lost on a, on a hiking trip in the desert. What does it mean to survive? My friends, we're starting a new sermon series called Survival. That's about survival in the wilderness and survival in the world. About what it means to survive as a human in the wild, but also what it means to survive as a child of God in this broken world. Now, there's a few key aspects to survival. Different a- experts will, will point to different things. Usually, there's some kind of order of, of shelter and water and, and food. Of, you need to focus on those. But, but for me, I think there's one that comes before all of those, and I, I mentioned it to the kids, and that's you have to not panic. Don't panic. Because <laughs> um, if you're panicking, you're not really helping yourself get shelter or water or food or anything else. I first encountered the phrase, don't panic, while reading in high school the uh, Douglas Adams novel, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, which uh, says over and over again, don't panic. You first come across this phrase about 30 minutes before the world is going to explo- explode. So it seems like the proper time to panic, but, um, but it's, you know, it's one of those things that very few people look back at their life and think, gosh, I wish I panicked more. <laughs> You know, you know when I, when I was in my 20s, I was too calm and cool and collected. I should have panicked more. I had so many things to worry about. Why wasn't I worrying? People don't do that. You don't look back and think, gosh, you know, I need to up my panic in my life. An important question should be, why not? Why shouldn't we panic? In, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams kind of recommends people not to panic because of a sense of, Basically nihilism, that it's impractical. Um, it's not pragmatic to panic. You don't get anything. And that's, that's one way to look at it. There's another way found in um, a poem that's very apropos for Father's Day, Rudyard Kipling's If. That if you can keep your head about you and all, and all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired of waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything in it. And which, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. This poem that uh, my father was bribed by his grandfather to learn... Um, And he tried to bribe me, but I did it. His he was. It was like he offered me four dollars to memorize a poem. It's like that's my rates are too much, too higher than than that. Um, But the the poem offers us a different reason not to panic. It it speaks of fatherhood and manhood as esteemable qualities in a person. Panic is a sign of a weak leader who doesn't have virtue. Now this word virtue you know comes about in different ways in society and in different trainings, but the root of the word is is funny when you when you dig down to it because it comes from the Latin word for man really, vir. Um, and so virtue at its root, in the classical sense, is manliness. Um, not like manliness as like really hairy chests, but manliness is having these these aspects that the ancients kind of lifted up. One of the the principal ones was courage. Now courage is is a virtue in in the classical sense, is not courage as being not afraid of anything. Because if you're not afraid of anything, um, it's called foolhardiness. You go in, you don't realize what's going on. You're like, oh, I can beat up this uh, grizzly bear. It's like, no, (laughs) you can't. It's not going to happen. You may not be afraid of it, but you should be afraid of it. In the classical sense, courage is fearing the right fear, knowing, okay, I don't need to be afraid. I can handle what's going on, but I don't need to go confront a grizzly bear. I can just Move out of the way. I can just get away from the situation. The courageous person knows where the true enemy lies. The courageous person knows what to fear. And they know what not to fear. Now, these notions of virtue uh, that, that are lifted up by Kipling and in the ancient world reach towards are getting towards what is going on in the scriptures, but they're not quite there. They're still focused on me and mine, on what I do, and what I should do. But they start us on the journey. Our courage, our hope, our everything is not found within ourselves. It's not about maximizing my own potential. But realizing that my own limits are are, over, are fi- fulfilled because of who God is. That God is the source of our courage, our comfort, our support, our safety. As it says in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Should I fear anyone? The Lord is a fortress protecting my life. Should I be frightened of anything? The most frightening thing about any survival situation, whether you're watching the TV show alone or anything else, or it's rather you, is the wide variety of things that can take place. If you're in a desperate situation where your life and the life of others is on the line, there's a different moral calculation Going on than if you're stuck in traffic on 620 because the high school just laid it, let out. There's different things going on in your mind, and there's a lot of things that you could worry about. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. As well, the stakes are very high, as high as they can be. And when, when the stakes are, are high, certain kinds of decisions are made. And if you're afraid of everything, if you're afraid of everything that could happen, you're not fearing the right fear. As Frederick the Great said, he who defends everything defends nothing. (laughs) If you try to protect yourself from every eventuality, you're not going to survive. As well, in the moral life, in our life here and now, if you're afraid of everything, then you're missing out on what God is already doing in your life. That God has already sought you and come down to you. And that God is your light. Whom? Shall you fear? Though stuff happens in this world, God is there. We can distort our understanding of God in this way as well, though. If we get into a survival situation and a challenging situation, and we think to ourselves, well, I'm a Christian, so God's gonna take care of me, I don't have anything to worry about. That's not exactly what I'm talking about, and that's not what the psalm is talking about. It's not that God is gonna do everything and take care of us. Because throughout the scriptures, God taking care of us doesn't always turn out as we might have hoped. Um, Jesus says the, sun, the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. God takes people through challenging situations. I think about even like Daniel in the lion's den or, or the, his friends when they were in the fire, in the, in the oven in the book of Daniel. And that I bet the oven got pretty hot before it was tolerable. Uh, before before grace got there. The oven was still hot. They were still standing in fire. I doubt it wasn't this issue that God was like, okay, you're not going to feel anything at all, but I'm going to be with you and protect you. Christianity is not about living more comfortably. It's not about the, the most comfortable life possible. Comfort is lovely, but that is not the goal of faith. That is the goal of a mattress company. These are two different things. Faith offers something more. What is offered through the Psalms and through the Scriptures, and especially through the person of Jesus Christ, is that the things we were taught to fear in this world, we need not fear. We see in the life of Jesus that he did not avoid these things. Jesus boldly faced persecution and hunger and the fears of others, and he shows us that a life fully lived does not need to avoid These things, the blessedness offered to us by Jesus is not the blessedness of mild amusement, but the flourishing and purposeful life of a follower of God called to holiness, called to be set apart, called to a life where sacrifice is greater than comfort. Called to a life where giving is greater than receiving. Called to a life where justice for all is greater than justice for myself, where I need not seek only for myself. Now, not everybody is going to enjoy camping or the outdoors. Like I said, I have to admit it. I don't understand it, but I have to admit it. But we are all a pilgrim people in this world. We are all a pilgrim people in this world. When we are out walking, hiking, moving, camping, swimming, traveling, boating, flying, we are reminded of this reality. We are all in some sort of transience in this world. You know, um, Pastor Matt, was last Sunday was, was last week, and he's going to start a new church in, in two weeks. And sometimes in the Methodist church, it seems like pastors don't stay very long and we, we move a lot and there's some intentionality to it, but it's also like every pastor moves. There's, there's no permanent pastor at any church because we all get older. <laughs> we all have, have some kind of impermanence to it. Methodists just kind of speed up the process a little bit. But but when you, when you have transitions in your life, when you have people who, who move in and out of your life, when you yourself go on a vacation like we were so blessed to do and see different parts of the world and move in that kind of way, we see as well the impermanence of when we come back, that we are a pilgrim people. I love, I love the Hill Country. I love coming back to the Hill Country, not in June, but other times of the year, <laughs> I love when when the lake is a little higher, Um, but this is not our final destination. This is not our ultimate end. There is more to life than the avoidance of dying. There is more to life than property taxes and vacations. We are a pilgrim people in this land. You are loved and you are forgiven and you do not need to be afraid. And Jesus mentions in John 14 how he is preparing a place For us. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? That Jesus is preparing a place for you. And our life is a journey to that place, not to where we are now, To that place God has prepared for us. This is what I mean by a pilgrim people. We are on a journey to that place. We're not on a journey to our bucket list or a dream home, but to our final home. We do not prepare it, God does. You don't have to pay the rent or the mortgage or the property tax on our final home in God's dwelling. God does. And there's also great insurance in heaven. It's wonderful. Our home is insured by God's love. Our peace is in God and not in ourselves or in our circumstance. We can find flickering moments of peace in this world, moments of, of joy and, and satisfaction. We should be joyful in them. But our hearts are restless until they rest fully in God. It's not quite right, and the the not-quite-rightness is not because we don't have enough stuff, but because we're not finally with our Lord. You are loved. You are forgiven. God restlessly sought you amidst the brambles of this world, and God has made a place for you. Don't panic. The person who bothers you or cuts you off in traffic cannot take your soul. That person who hates you cannot take your soul. Your boss who belittles you cannot take your soul. You are forgiven. Don't panic. You may think easy for you to say, Wilson, and that's fair. It takes takes practice. I need to say it to myself a lot. The reason why I mention don't panic a lot is I have to tell myself, Wilson, don't panic. Um, Wilson, don't panic. You don't need to, it takes practice. For our souls to see the world rightly. The practice is doing the things of God. The practice is loving our neighbors. The practice is getting outside of our own heads. My fears are always greater inside my heads than if I write them down in a journal or if I share about them with with a friend or accountability partner or during a grow group. When I share them, my, my fears are tiny. In order to survive, don't panic. I'm grateful to be a father. Fatherhood in the church is not just about biological or adopted children. It is is about how we care for the people around us and what we share with the next generation. It takes practice and persistence, and it takes realizing that you have been called for something more than yourself. Our Father's Day gifts this year are those little screwdrivers. You have. Some of you probably have a lot of them. You know exactly what to use for. They can be helpful in repairing glasses, but you may not have glasses. Other things like that. Again, like, Or you may have that drawer in, in the, the kitchen that you just put stuff. And then in two years, you'll look at it like, where would all this come from? It's because of things like this. Sorry for that. Um, but fathers can be handy or not handy. That's not, you know, your salvation does not depend on your handiness. Um, but you all have a responsibility. You all have a responsibility, whether you have kids or not, you have a responsibility to the children and youth around you, to the people around you. They are looking to you and they see you and they notice things. And not in a kind of like creepy, like staring at you kind of way, but they notice what, what you are doing. And they notice if you say you follow God, they notice if you follow through with it. They notice if you give of yourself or if you take away. They notice if you are building people up or if you are tearing them down. You are already showing people what God is doing in your life. And there's freedom in that. If you, feel, if you feel proud of what God has been doing, then praise God. If you feel like inadequate to it, if you feel nervous that people or kids are noticing you, then seek God's forgiveness and, and make a commitment this day to take a step of faith to offer yourself more in this world. But it, it doesn't begin with, with anxiety or, or nervousness. Remember, Begin with don't panic. The Lord is my light. Whether you're in the mountains, on an island, or in a church in Spicewood, don't panic. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He will guide you and protect you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this chance to be called together to learn how to live fully for you. Help us to remember not to panic. Help us to remember your love revealed in Jesus Christ and how we are called to show that love with our transformed lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.